Well, good morning, Restoration Church. What a good day it is for us to connect online. I am so thankful to be able to gather with you. This is such a joy to me every week that we can gather together to study some scripture and to be able to worship with one another. As good as this is today, let me ask you this now. How many of you have struggled? How many of you have had a troubled heart over the past couple of months in the middle of the season that we are in? You know, sometimes we wish that life would be easy. We wish that life would just be a gravy train. Now, but Jesus told us in John 16, Jesus said, in this world, we will have trouble. And that is true of our life and our world. Trouble comes in all sorts of ways. It comes from global pandemics that affect every one of us. It comes from the loss of a loved one. It comes from all sorts of issues, whether that be an issue with our job, whether that be relational issues. Maybe it comes from an uncertainty of the future, especially in unsettling times like we are in today. Trouble comes from our disappointments. We can be disappointed with ourselves because we want to be strong, but we find ourselves being weak. We want to be successful, but find ourselves struggling. Uh, trouble comes from disappointments by other people, where other people will let us down. We're disappointed by our spouse or our children or our family or our employer. And it comes from whoever these people might be. We also deal with spiritual troubles. At times we just wonder, God, you feel so withdrawn. Here we are in the middle of life and we feel, God, where are you? God, what are you doing? Listen, when we go through these troubles, uh, these times of difficulty, they can be huge obstacles in our life and have major impacts. In fact, uh, James Cash Petty, who's the founder of J.C. Penny, there is one point in his life that he had made some unwise investments. And he became so concerned and overwhelmed over these investments that it began to, to make him feel depressed and have these negative impacts on him. His heart got so troubled and he was so anxious that he was actually developed shingles. And he was sent to the hospital to try and, and remedy, but his found his condition continued to progress and get worse until there was one night that he knew, he believed he was going to die because of the stress related to the troubles going on in his heart. Listen, how do we handle times of trouble? How do we handle times of anxiety and times of fear? Do we focus inward like J.C. Penney did? That, that drive us to having some bad health and some bad habits trying to deal with our str struggle? Do we close ourselves off from other people and just, just, just go inward? Do we grit our teeth and just, I'm going to bear through this, I'm going to get through this? Do we medicate our struggle with alcohol or a Netflix binge or pornography or any other thing? Maybe we just become a bitter person, bitter over our circumstances. See, this summer we're in a series called Last Words, looking at John chapters 13 through 17, where Jesus spends a final five hours with his disciples around a dinner table before he's going to be arrested and give his life as a ransom for us on the cross. And so these are the last words that Jesus wants to be able to share with his disciples. And today in John chapter 14, I want us to remember the context of where we are. Again, Jesus is around the dinner table with his disciples. Judas has left to betray Jesus. Jesus has already said, one of you are going to betray me. Only John and possibly Peter knew that it was Judas. So all the other disciples are around this dinner table wondering, am I going to be the one that betrays Jesus? Not only that, but Jesus has also announced, 
Hey, I'm going to be leading you, and where I'm going, you cannot follow. And again, these disciples, they've left everything to follow Jesus. They left their jobs. They left their family. They left everything because they believed that he was the Messiah. They believed he was a promised Messiah, and he was going to establish a kingdom on the earth. And so they are expecting that from Jesus. And they were so excited just a few days prior. A few days prior, Jesus gets on the donkey, and he rides into Jerusalem, and all the people are shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, and they're excited. And now... Jesus is talking about leading them, and they can't follow. Now he's talking to them about death. And to top it off, Jesus just said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the morning sun rises. So at this point, these disciples are anxious. They're scared. Their hearts are troubled. Jesus knew this. Jesus knew this. And what he so often does with us and with those disciples is he's going to address them right where they are. He's going to address them in their troubled hearts, in their anxiety. He's going to offer them the cure to troubled and anxious hearts. This is where I want us to understand that there is a, a connection to the disciples and us. Because despite the way that we try to protect our lives from any sort of trouble, trouble is a reality in life. We've already said that Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Jesus experienced trouble himself. When he knew that Judas was going to betray him, the scripture says in John 13, his heart was troubled. Here's what Jesus says to those with a troubled heart. The disciples in John chapter 14. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So the response to a troubled heart is a command. It is something that Jesus says, this is what you need to do. This is a call to action. He says, believe in God, which is probably better translated is as you have believed in God. I mean, most people have this general belief in God that he's somewhere far off, that he is still sovereign and in control and he knows what he's doing. There's a God somewhere out there. He's saying, as you believed in God, believe also in me. Not in a general far-off sense, but right now in the middle of your struggle, whatever you're facing, believe in me. Believe I'm with you. Believe I'm in control. Believe I'm good. Believe I'm loving. This is a call to action for us to choose in the middle of our troubles and our struggles to choose to continue to believe in Jesus. Let me explain this in a different way. When our, our kids were young, we would take them to the swimming pool. And they would stand on the edge, and I would get in the pool. And I'd put my hands up, and I'd say, hey, jump to me. Jump to me. And the kids would look out the pool and see all the trouble that could happen. What if, what if, what if? And I'd be there, and I'd be saying, hey, kids, look at me. Look at me. It's okay. I got you. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, disciples, take your eyes off the trouble. I want you to focus on me. I want you to put your belief. I want you to put your faith. I want you to put your trust in me. Believe that I am working things out. Believe I'm with you. Believe I'm working things out for your good and for my glory. See, the times that we are troubled and anxious and fearful, Jesus says, here's a simple cure for you that we are to, to believe in him, that he wants us to experience his peace. He wants to help his, and he tells his disciples, I want you to believe in me because he wants to, to help them with where they are. And then in this text, 
He's going to give them four ways that believing in Jesus will help them in the middle of whatever trouble they're going through. Four simple things that when we believe in Jesus, four simple things that he offers. Number one, when we believe in Jesus, he gives us the promise of eternal life. This is what he says in verse two. He said, in my father's house, there are many rooms. If it was not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? But if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. See, so often we think that here in this world, this is all there is. This is it. This world. And so when things start to go bad, we naturally begin to lose hope. And, and so Jesus is saying, listen, if we trust in him, we have hope. Because if we are a Christian, it doesn't matter what's happening in our world or in our country. This world is not our home. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, he says, our citizenship is not in this world, it's not in this country. Our citizenship is in heaven. And so Jesus is going to give us a glimpse of what that heaven looks like. He says, in my father's house, there are many rooms that would probably be better translated as many dwelling places. Listen, if you've been in church long, you know those songs. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. Or maybe you know that classic audio adrenaline. A big house with a big, big table and lots and lots of food, like, like Fred, Fred Wall's brisket. We have these ideas. Listen, the verse, uh, this, this picture paints a verse. <laughs> this verse paints a picture. And I picture the Mexican Riviera. I picture this big beach resort with this sky rise with, with ton of, tons of condos all around. I think that's a picture that this verse is trying to give us. A big house with thousands upon thousands or millions of dwelling places. And I love this because Jesus continues and says, I go and I prepare a place for you. But I think about when our kids were little, uh, we had three little boys and we made a very special room for them. We made a, a superhero themed room for them. So across one wall, there was this huge cityscape, kind of looked like Batman, and there were these special lights we put in the room, and we had these superhero figures that were all throughout. We made this room special for our kids. Listen, we do that. We prepare our rooms for our kids. When we have a special guest coming to stay at our house, we prepare a special place for them. Listen, imagine the care that Jesus takes. There's a place for us, the ones he loved. Imagine the place that he's preparing for you and I. And the best part about it, Jesus says, I'm preparing a place for you. And I will come again. I will take you to myself that where I am, you can be with me forever. And this is the promise of Jesus. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me. And you know the best thing about the promises of Jesus? He always keeps his promises. This is hope for us in the middle of our troubles. Despite the fact that we live in this fallen, broken world, that we have troubles, we have a home waiting for us in heaven. And we can trust him right now because of this promise. And that is a beautiful promise. Not only can we trust him right now because we have a hope in heaven, but we can trust him because he gives us a relationship with God. That's what John, John writes in, in, in verse 4. He says, you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas, the doubter, says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? 
And Jesus said these famous verses, famous words. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, there's a lot of there's a lot that can be said about those verses, but the simplest explanation is simply this. That when God created mankind, when God created humans, Adam and Eve, there are three things that described our relationship with God, right? In the beginning, they, Adam and Eve, they had this communion with God. They had this relationship with God where it was a mutual relationship. They also had a truth that flowed from God. They, they had this relationship with God. And they had the truth that came from him. And they had this spiritual life that was by nature of their relationship with God, that they would live forever. And so these three, these three things, they dictated how life was supposed to be. This was as close to perfect as we can imagine. This is what we have all longed for since that day. But as we know, the story goes, Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God, and sin entered the world, and the way that things were supposed to be was completely disrupted. As a consequence of sin, Adam and Eve, and every one of us since them, we no longer have that communion with God. In fact, now our lives are defined by a, a, uh, an alienation from God. That's our natural state. And instead of us knowing the truth, we are prone to believe falsehood and error, like believing that country music is actually good music. We believe all sorts of falsehoods and errors. And instead of possessing eternal life, we know that in this world, death reigns. Death is a reality. And so Jesus, understanding that these are the root of our problems, he speaks hope in the midst of these troubled disciples and says, listen, if you trust me, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to have a restored relationship with God is through me. He says, I, I'm the way. That while we've been alienated from God because of our sin, Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection is the only way for us to have a restored relationship with God. And instead of our lives being filled with falsehoods and errors, we can have our lives filled with the truth of Jesus. Because Jesus is truth. Jesus embodies truth. Truth flows out of who Jesus is, what he does, and, and what he says. That in him we have and we can know truth. And finally, Jesus says, I am the life. That death no longer has to reign supreme for us. That as Jesus has already said, listen, our citizenship is in heaven. That eternal life is ours. That this world is just a blip on the radar. That we have eternity waiting for us in heaven. And this it offers us hope in the midst of our troubles because we can have this restored relationship with God through Jesus. But not only that, trusting Jesus gives us hope because not only can we have that relationship, with, but we can also know God personally. He says in verse 7, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. And Philip says, Lord, would you show us the Father? That would be enough. Just show us the Father. And Jesus says, I have been with you so long, but you still not know me. Drop down, he says, the words I speak are not of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me. I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me. See, Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. 
So as we know Jesus, as we, we learn about him, as we listen to his words, as we understand what Jesus is like, his love, his compassion, his mission for us, his plans for us, as we know Jesus, we are knowing God because they are one. To know Jesus is to know God. That, that when we know Jesus and we have access to the power of God, to the truth of God, to the, the direction that God has for our life, we have access to his comfort and his love and his grace and his forgiveness. Because through Jesus, we have the real experience of knowing God. And finally, Jesus says when we trust in him, we have access to the power of God. That's what he says in verse 12. He says, truly, truly, uh, whoever believes in me also will do the works that I do, even greater works than these. If you ask in my name, I will do it. So the Father will be glorified in the Son. Ask anything in my name and I will do it. Listen, these verses have been a license to bad theology for, for a long time, where we think, well, the name of Jesus is kind of like this magic potion. Hocus pocus, in the name of Jesus, and whatever it is we want will come true. But when Jesus says, in my name, it refers rather to his character and his nature. He's saying, if you, if you ask in my nature, in my character, according to my heart, those are the things that I will do. In fact, I would encourage you to write a little note in your Bible. Next to these verses, write Luke chapter 10. Because in Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends the 72 disciples out on a mission to go preach and teach and do all sorts of, of miracles. And as they come back, they're all excited. They're all excited. They did all these miracles. And they said, Jesus, we did all these things. Even the demons are subject to us. This was awesome. And Jesus' response, Jesus' response to those disciples who just got back from doing all sorts of miracles, says, do not rejoice that the demons are subject to you, but you should marvel that your names are written in the book of life. See, Jesus' life, his purpose, his emphasis wasn't on doing miracles. His purpose, his emphasis was on hearts being surrendered to God. And so when Jesus says, greater works are you going to do? He's talking about hearts being changed. He's talking about people being having their life transformed because of our testimony, because of our witness. So listen, when we trust Jesus, we have access to the power of God. Then we look at the troubles that we face. God is saying that he would use us to influence the source of these troubles. That we've got family members and neighbors and a community and a world that can be transformed, can experience a life-changing relationship with Jesus through us. That we have access to that power to change the world around us. Listen, all of these things. Jesus is trying to speak to these disciples in the middle of their trouble when they have an anxious heart. And he's trying to tell us something very simply. That the remedy, the cure for a troubled heart, for anxiety, for fear, is a belief in Jesus. You know, it almost sounds too simple. In fact, let me just share a little bit of uh, where I've been the last couple of, of weeks here we have been in the middle of COVID-19. And I'll be honest, I've struggled through a, a troubled heart. Man, I, I'm a people person. And I've missed the church. I, I've missed gathering with people. I've longed to, to just say, let's just go and, and do this. And it seems like in the middle of these restrictions, there's no end in sight. 
I've dealt with this stress over what's happening in our city and how these, these, uh, this thing is just spreading like wildfire. I've had this worry over our economy, a worry over my kids and school and what this is going to look like. And then you turn on the news and it's just more chaos. You've got murder hornets and you've got this, this, this sandstorm coming from Africa. You've got all these things happening. And you go on social media and it's terrible. You've got these two sides that aren't listening to one another. They're just arguing with one another about whether or not this whole thing is real and arguing about how we're supposed to respond to what's happening in our world. And then I've got this stress. I've got this worry on how do I lead? How do I lead a, 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 a diverse group of people through this? And I'll be honest, my heart felt so troubled. I came to the point that I actually felt paralyzed. I don't know what to do. Listen, how do you deal with stress when you get there? When you get overwhelmed and you have a troubled heart, how do you deal with that? You go cry into a pillow? You go do some physical exercise? For me, I try and distract myself. So I can go get busy doing some yard work. I can go and and spend some time just complaining to my wife about all my problems. I can binge watch on Netflix. I can go and talk to my counselor. But I found myself troubled. And I had done all these things and I was still troubled. And I had to come to the point that I said, you know, I'm going to stop listening to the voices around me. And I'm going to seek the voice of God. I had to make a choice to believe, to believe that Jesus was present. To believe that Jesus was still speaking and leading and guiding and comforting. And it wasn't until I chose, it wasn't until I chose to, to believe and to trust Jesus, it wasn't until I did that that my heart began to calm. That I began to feel peace and began to feel like, man, I can get through this. Listen, when we are dealing with anxiety and, and troubled hearts and stress, there's lots of things we are told to do. But Jesus gives us the cure very simply and powerfully. And most of us, we miss out on it because it almost seems too simple. It's kind of like the gospel. It almost seems too simple just to believe in Jesus, and that's what it takes. But Jesus is saying, listen, a continual belief in me is a remedy to your troubled hearts. That it's a choice. That for some of us, it's a day-by-day choice, an hour-by-hour choice. For some of us, in our worst moments, it's a moment-by-moment choice to believe in Jesus, to believe in his promise, to believe in his presence, to believe that he is with us, but it is a choice that we make. Instead of being inward and having all our trouble, we choose to believe that Jesus is with us, that he's working things out for our good and for his glory. Listen, in response to this, I want to ask you to do something powerful response, just a, a powerful step. I'm going to ask you this question. What troubles you? What troubles you? What keeps you up at night? What gets your heart racing? What gives you anxiety? I want you to to answer that question. I want you to name it. I want you to identify what is it for you? What troubles your heart? Is it something related to COVID? Is it a relationship problem? A broken relationship? A dysfunctional relationship? Is it a desire to control the future and control the outcome of your kids and your future and whatever else is in front of you? Is it your job? Or maybe it's your lack of job? Maybe it's something with your finances? 
Maybe it's a sin in your life or a way that you have failed. Listen, what is it that troubles you? I want you to name it. I want you to identify what it is. And here's what I want you to do from the comfort of your home. I want you to get a piece of paper. I want you to get a note card. I want you to write a version of John 14, verse 1 of that note card. I want you to write, let not your heart be troubled. And I also want you to write whatever it is that you just identified. Let not your heart be troubled by COVID-19. Let not your heart be troubled by my finances. I want you to write, let not your heart be troubled by this. And then write, I choose to believe in Jesus. Let not your heart be troubled by whatever it is. And then I choose to believe in Jesus. And I want you to take this piece of paper and I want you to put it in a place that you will see it every day. That you will see it every day to remind yourself, to remind yourself, I'm not going to let my heart be troubled by this. I choose to believe in Jesus. You see, Jesus is the answer to the troubles that we are facing, every single one of them. And he is available to help us for every need that we face, for every trouble we face. He is our help. He knows what is going on and he is with us in the middle of our struggles and our trials and our fear and our anxiety. And, and he desperately wants to give us his peace. He wants to give us hope. And so we have to make a choice. We have to make a choice. Will I choose to focus on my problems or will I choose to believe and trust in Jesus day by day, moment by moment, hour by hour? Let me pray for you. God, I just want to pray that you would speak to us and comfort us with these words. God, I pray that we would have the faith to trust you in the middle of our trials. God, I pray that we would be like, lot like David and David and Goliath. God, I think about all the soldiers who all they could see was Goliath. But David shows up and he knows that God is bigger than Goliath. And he can see God beyond Goliath. God, I pray that you give us the faith to see you beyond our troubles. God, I pray that you give us the faith trust you and to believe in you in the middle of what we're going through, to believe that you are with us, to believe that you are working things out for our good and for your glory. God, I pray that as we believe in you, that you'd remind us of the hope of eternity, of the promise of eternity, that this world is not our home, this world is not the end, but God, you are preparing a place for us. God, I pray that you help us to be reminded that as we, we, we believe and trust in you, that we can know the God, that we can know his power, that we can know his truth, that we can know his presence. God, and I pray beyond just knowing it, God, that we can experience, that as we believe in you, that we can experience, God, his love, his compassion, his power. God, I pray that we would recognize as well that as we believe in you, as we believe in Jesus, that we can experience the power of God to influence the world around us. God, I thank you that you have not left us as orphans, but God, you are with us. And I pray, God, that whether we're in a troubled time right now, our hearts are troubled now, we're anxious and fearful, or whether it's going to be something that we've come through, whether it's something we're going to face tomorrow, God, I pray that we be reminded that we do not have to let our hearts be troubled by whatever it is, but we can choose to believe in you, and that you are the remedy and the cure for our troubled hearts. God, I love you, and I praise you. And we ask this in your holy and precious name.